good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time this recording. This is episode 56 of the Restricted Zone podcast. And I was two co-hosts, one special guest right now. Kyrie, introduce yourself, man. Yo, what's going guys? How y'all feeling? Absolutely. And then a special guest from Straight Straight to the Point podcast, one half of the duo, the mighty man. Chris, introduce yourself, man. What's going on? Thank you guys for having me, and, and let's get it started. Man, thanks a lot, Chris. Man, we went through hell and back just to get this episode up. Can't thank you enough, <laughs> literally. So, but listen, it's basketball. A lot of stuff happened in the basketball world, some big stuff. We're going to dive into the meat and the potatoes. Then we're going to also give our Super Bowl predictions at the end. But first, let's dive into the meat and the potatoes. The NBA world went crazy, especially one big trade that happened. Obviously, James Harden to the Sixers, Ben Simmons to the Nets. Uh, we added some pieces to the Nets, too. A lot of people feel like this is an overall good trade, win-win situation. I beg to differ. I think it was a very bad trade for the Sixers, and I don't see any kind of positive outcome for this. Uh, so before I even get started, I want to swing it to Chris first. Just just give me your thoughts. I want you to talk about why, in your opinion, that this trade was so positive in your mind, which I just don't see how it is. And I don't understand how anyone can disagree with this trade. Like, you traded a guy who was not going to play for this team, had no plans on playing for the rest of the year. Uh, someone who's uh, Seth Curry, who is a good, you know, good shooter and a terrible defender, and Drummond, who's a great bench piece. But they're they're it's nothing. It's inconsequential compared to what you could get from James Harden, who's arguably if you want to, if you really wanted to stretch it, the third greatest shooting guard of all time. Choke, choke artist. Yes, let's mention that too. Okay, let's choke continue, artist. Continue. Okay, you traded, you traded a 6'10 choke artist. Whoa, that what? is true. That is okay. true. That is but, true. We, no, the, proof, the proof is in the pudding. At least James Harden has no problem taking the ball and scoring. What? Okay. That's the Sixers' biggest problem is they have no secondary scoring options. Okay. I like Tyrese Maxey. They didn't trade Tyrese Max. I like Matisse Thybul. They didn't trade Matisse Thybul, so they kept their most valuable assets. The, your young guards didn't. They gave up Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, and a guy who wasn't going to play here. Anymore. Two valuable pieces, in my opinion. But continue. Valuable, valuable because the biggest piece, the biggest asset, quit. Okay. Drummond and Curry's roles are only max uh, are only intensified because the the big Australian quit, and before that had a layup, a dunk, essentially on a six one, hundred and seventy pound guard, okay. and passed it up. He couldn't get over. He could. He had. He shown no discernible improvement on offense from his rookie year to the last time we seen him play. And the last time we seen him play was what, six, seven months ago. True. Yeah. Who cares? He he made it. He made his decision that he wasn't going to play for the Sixers again. So the Sixers got the best possible deal and the best possible player available. I love Tyrese Halliburton. I went on straight to the point every week and said the Sixers should just go ahead and bite the bullet and get Tyrese Halliburton. Just get healed. Halliburton and call it a day and ship Simmons off to Sacramento. I would have loved that actually. I was all in favor of that. I would have yep. loved that. That would have been perfect. And we're going to talk about Halliburton in a second. Of course. But 
they got a better player. Like, Halliburton is a nice piece, but it's James Harden. Now, you can say what, what you want about James Harden being big, fat, out of shape. He's right sure now the second best player on the Sixers. Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, um, yeah, he he is. is. But James Harden's on James Harden having a down year by everyone's standards is still averaging 22, what, 22, 8, and 6, or something like that. It's not enough. It's like 22, 8, and 10. Not enough. If, gonna, if you think we're going to win a championship. Oh, 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 oh. What, what, what was Ben Simmons' averaging this year? Sir, sir. Zero, zero, and zero. <laughs> ben Simmons can't average 22 points a game. Ben I'm Simmons sure he Ben Simmons He's won. He's done it. Yeah, I'm sure he's averaging 20 points a game in one season. Yeah, man. Ben Simmons has averaged 20 never, points a game this season, bro. Yeah, never. Stop. He's, stop only, he's only scored more than 30 points in a game one time. You know what that game is, Rudy versus Rudy Gobert <laughs> when he played the Jazz. Everybody know about that one game. He had a couple games. No, no. He had one game. One. All right. He's, he's, he's clearly mentally just checked, all right? Don't – it's one thing where you can have blinders on and you can take the criticism and the and the the the, the feedback and improve on that. That's what Embiid did. I got on Embiid plenty of times. Anybody who knows me, I call Embiid big, fat, and slow, and <laughs> broke down in the playoffs of plenty of times. He's of done it. Yes. But you see this guy now. This is a, a clear improvement over day one versus right now in the middle of a twenty twenty game versus the Thunder. Okay, James James Harden's body of work. What you want to say about him in the playoffs? Say what you want to say about Doc Rivers in the playoffs. Say what you want to say about Joel Embiid in the playoffs. There's a lot to say about Doc Rivers in the playoffs. There's a lot to say, but there's also a lot to say about Ben Simmons in the playoffs and Ben Simmons in the here and now. And Ben Simmons quit on the Sixers, and the Sixers got the best possible deal for a guy who basically tied their hands behind their back. Okay. Now, what you now? I get what. Okay, you don't really want to trade him to Brooklyn so he can play with Kyrie and he can play with KD. But the things I've said about Brooklyn are still true. Kyrie's half in, half out. You look at that team that they, they just lost the, by thirty to Boston. Well, I, I, okay, what, yeah, okay. Without Harden, without KD, and without Kyrie, Andre Drummond and Seth Curry don't make that much of a difference. Uh, that team. We already seen how Drummond plays against Embiid. Barbecue chicken. I, I beg to differ with that. I feel like those additions actually helped him out a, a lot, to be honest with you. And when you consider the fact that Joe Harris is out for the season and Joe Harris wasn't even the same as what we were accustomed to from seeing. Ever since the playoffs, Joe Harris has been a former shell of himself. Right. Getting a Seth Curry, who was outside of this, this Curry streak of games, he, he's been struggling. Seth Curry's been automatic this season. And the, the Brooklyn Nets don't have a true backup or true big in the rotation in general that could take up space and that could rebound and that could block shots. And that's, they needed that in Andre Drummond. They absolutely I, needed that. And I, I, I know I'm i not taking that away. I think that those pieces help them. But do they make that team inconsequentially better? No. That team – so that the thing is, though, those pieces are only making that team better when everybody's available. We're saying that now when Kevin Durant's out for another two to four weeks. We're saying that with Kyrie Irving's situation right now. We're saying that and not even knowing when Ben Simmons is going to see the floor. Exactly. So, yeah, when, you throw, when you're throwing starting lineups out there that's going to have Seth Curry and Andre Drummond as your featured guys, 
Yeah, they're not. That's not going to do nothing. You have them out there with, with other young guys like Cam Thomas, yeah. Kessler Edwards, uh, Ron Sharp, all playing well. Everybody's playing good and all, but that team is still young without their main pieces. So yeah, I see and what you're true. saying where they, they don't true. really help them now, but in the long run, that's exactly what Brooklyn needed, and but the, that's those are the type of guys you need in playoffs. But on the flip side. Brooklyn gives Philadelphia exactly what they need. Well, okay, so this is okay, so this is my whole thing. So if we look at it on the surface level, we trade one big star to another big star. Both of them had documented poor work ethic habits. Uh, this is why one of the things with James Harden, where initially in the beginning I was crazy about it, but now it started to dwindle, dwindle, and dwindle down to where it's like, okay, James Harden's about to turn thirty-three in what a few, next month, a few months maybe. Is he not 33 right now? How much does James Harden weigh right now? Doesn't matter. Oh, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. It does not matter. Don't do that. It really, it, it really doesn't, though, Colin. And here's why. Because we're not expecting – this is the thing. When we heard, when we're talking about guys that are, like, coming towards the ends of their careers or the ends of their primes, and we're, we're talking about them on new squads, or we're talking about them taking the next steps in their career, we're thinking about them. We're I feel like we're – the conversation is around – what we're accustomed to seeing from them. So right now, I feel like when we're talking about James Harden on the Sixers, everybody has in mind, not even Brooklyn Nets James Harden, but Houston Rockets James Harden, what he was able to do, James Harden at his peak. And what we've got to understand is the Sixers don't need that. The Sixers don't need a peak Harden to really, Wait, so I guess, what? So, so what Harden do you do you think? I want. I, listen, I, think, I think big fat out the strip club Harden right now. <laughs> yeah, you're fat. I'm so serious. I'm so serious. When, look, listen, at, listen, listen. Wow. This is, Harden goes in there. Harden puts up anywhere from 19 to 21 points a game. He doesn't need the 26, 27 we're accustomed to. He's going to get you seven to eight rebounds. He's going to get you about 11 dimes. What about defense? Don't matter. We, oh, we, don't, we don't expect here, that from him. Why, when you got Matisse Seibel in the lineup, you we, we, Matisse Seibel's guarding yeah, the team, the next team's hard, best player. He creates so, so many mistakes on the defensive end that it adds more, but you adds have, more but pressure you have to the, the other guys. You so have a big – er, you have a seven-foot Cameroonian eraser behind him. Yep. Uh, it's not Dwight Howard. It's not Capella. It's not who – it's it's MB, the best big he, that Harden has played with. In right? his whole career. Okay. In his whole career. Okay. Right? Okay. You don't need Harden to come out here and score 30 points. You have options. You you just need him to facilitate the offense. All right. You because now the Sixers' biggest problem is you have when you have Harden on the floor, you don't necessarily need Maxi to handle the ball. Before without Harden, they had one ball handler, which was Tyrese Maxi. Whenever they pull Maxi out the floor, you got Tobias Harris running the off. No, it yep. doesn't work. Now you have two guards that can facilitate run the offense. You have you keep Matisse Thibault who can all right, he might be a net he might be a negative on offense. Yes, right? he is, sure is. He, but okay, he's he is. But he gonna shut down or he gonna disrupt and he gonna he gonna be all up in the, the other team's best perimeter uh offensive player, right? If we're talking strictly about Brooklyn, if you have you know, Kyrie, depending on where the game is being played, on Thibault. Then you have Harden probably playing on Curry, you know, on Seth Curry. You know, okay, which yeah, is so, fine. Which is fine because <laughs> yeah. it's it's a repeat. If you go back to that game seven, uh, yeah, Herder Herder cooked Seth Curry, cooked him, absolutely yeah, he cooked him. He did. Yep. But, but Seth Curry cooked Herder. 
Like it 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 basically washed itself away. It canceled out. Okay. It cancels itself out. The Sixers' biggest problem is they were playing basically three on five. When you have an off when you have a, a lineup of Tobias and B, you know, Danny Green, Thibel Simmons. You can't you can't play Thibel and Simmons on the court at the same time. Of course. One can't shoot, one won't shoot. So now you play on three on five. So, but my so, but I feel like we sacrificed. So, putting aside what Harden's did, contract, what did they sacrifice? The two first round picks. The two well, first round picks, and, and, that, and that's what, no. Listen, listen, listen. And this, and this is why that's important. It's because when the when the Ben Simmons trades first started coming around, when the, everything around the Ben Simmons situation first started coming about. The Sixers said they wanted two first round picks when they came down to trade the Simmons. You end up giving two away. But they, exactly. they, that's ridiculous. When they said that, when they said that, did anyone honestly think they could get James Harden? No, I didn't see that happening to James Harden. Because, no. because if it if it was Halliburton Hill in two first the Simmons, okay, those are probably gonna be two lottery picks. So right? let me, the Sixers don't if the Sixers the Sixers are in win now mode, right? What first? What them first round picks more than likely aren't going to contribute immediately. They have a long history of missing on first round picks anyway. They they just recently hit on two first round picks in Maxi and Thibault. Everybody else is gone. Chris, so let me ask you this. All right, so out of so out of the the, the three superstars we could have potentially had. Between Bradley Bill, Damian Lillard, and Bradley Bill is a loser. Oh, Bill, wow. Bill is Bill is not running from the grind. Wow. And James Harden said that he likes what Sin City has to offer and would like to partake every night. I have no problem with that. At the, at the so okay, he said he said he wants to see what Onyx hitting for, and I don't blame him. <laughs> what what am I supposed to lose sleep over two first round picks? I, listen to me. So, so that's, 20, don't, that's 2027's I, problem. I'm not worried about that. I'm trying to win a title now. I think you're very, really optimistic about this. So, what's your chances of them even winning the championship? Let's really be honest. I, I, want, I want to see what, you, what, you, what you're talking about here. Let's really be honest. They, they biggest problem is not a championship. They, they biggest problem is getting out the second round. Let's take it one step at a time here mm. because you still, whether you like it or not, Brooklyn's still there. strong. The East, the East is strong. strong, top heavy. Yeah, is, is is the Sixers better than Miami? No. You sure about that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. A healthy Miami team, I'd take them over Philly. Absolutely, seven game okay. series. Absolutely. Okay. Tyler Hero's been playing out of his mind too, and oh, it's well. off the bench, oh, off, the bench. off the oh, bench, off the bench. Let's praise Tyler Hero. Oh, off the bench during <laughs> We're gonna do I, this. We're yeah, we can. We are not going to just. We're not going to just face the fact that Tyler Hero is balling right now. Come he's on, man. For, he's in the run he's for the six man. Six man of the year. Oh, Chris, don't do that. Come on, we, we can't do that wah, to, to Hero. Wah, but it's not even wah, just him. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Tyler Hero. Hey, we We would love Tyler Hero on the team. Yeah, woulda, coulda, shoulda. All them interchangeable parts that Miami got: Yurt Seven, Max Struess. Uh, Duncan Robinson. What's our bench? Oh, you can't answer that one quick. We got James Harden. Oh, oh, no. See? Oh, okay. He asked what the bench was. He asked what the bench was. Oh, those guys are. I don't. I don't. Are those guys coming off the bench? 
I don't know. I don't know what the, the Sixers starting five is going to be. I don't know. Do they start? Do they start Danny Green? So this is what Tyler. I would imagine. James Harden would be at the one, like we spoke about. Tyrese would be at the two. Mm-hmm. Matisse would be at the three. Tobias at the four. Tobias and then at the four. And Joel at the five. five. Okay, if, that, if that's yeah, if we if we roll if we roll with, we roll with that if we roll with that we got Danny Green off the bench. Kirk Cook old and washed. Doesn't play defense as well as he used to. Continue. Kirk Moss is getting cooked. Uh huh. Not even he's inconsistent. They, they no, you. Inconsistent. Continue. What was Seth Curry? He's consistent with the offense at least. Inconsistently getting cooked on defense. So okay, that's true. Okay, continues. That they was, all, they that all was get, the fifth. They all getting washed. That was they the sixty seventh man. Have to, they have to go get a. They have to go get a backup. A backup big. Okay. And where are you gonna find that at? There's a buyout market. Oh man. If that's that's Enos what they, I mean, well, Enos Freedom's out there. Yeah. <laughs> Bring bring freedom to the Liberty Bell. <laughs> listen, all right, listen. I I ain't gonna lie. I went to the I went to the Boston game two weeks ago, and wow. every time Cantor touched the ball, we was giving him hell. <laughs> but if he was a Sixer, come on, you know, come on down. Okay, that's all hypothetical. So, hypothetical. what's our bench? What's our bench, though? I just gave you gave me. Two I just told you. I just told you what the bench was. Nine package. Nine package. Double, double agent Danny Green. Danny Green. Do you really trust Danny Green in the playoff series, Chris? Do you really trust Danny Green in the playoff series? You trust Shane Milton? Oh, Shane Milton's the only one. Who ben else? Simmons isn't there. We're talking about guys that's there right now. I'm t- I'm talking about guys who were there. Okay, so you say Shane Milton. Who else besides? He's the Shane only Milton, third Shane Milton on that out, bench. Of, out, of, out of witness protection program. Paul Reed is our backup. B ball Paul. Paul yeah, Reed. Don't sleep on Paul. Right you can't sleep on Paul Reed. Um. Uh, Look, you're, you're, you're stumbling. You're stumbling. Whew. Stop. Looks, looks a little looks a little bleak after that. But listen, <laughs> in the playoffs, you got you got eight man rotations anyway. No, so you're gonna. But play- you, you know, you know what though? You know, you know why I'm glad we're on this topic because bench scoring and best production has been the Sixers' weakness for the past few years. It has been exposed too many times. And yeah, we exactly. But the problem, but the problem is, and the problem is, it's been exposed because you have a starting unit that can't. You know, your starting unit can't score. You were playing but, three on five. But the Nets have a better bench than us. You know that, right? Who was on the Nets bench? Blake Griffin? Patty. Patty How many knees Blake Griffin got left? Patty Mills. Half? Who? Lamar, Lamarcus Aldridge. Patty Mills. Cook getting getting Patty Mills is pretty much. Lamarcus Aldridge is handball cooking too. Lamarcus Aldridge is cooking too. Patty Mills is basically dark skinned Seth Curry at this point. Oh my God. (laughs) Tell me where I'm wrong. Dark skinned Seth Curry. Cam Thomas? He's been serviceable. Absolutely came in. Serviceable. Yes. Service. We got more. They have more serviceable players than we do. Oh, we had the yeah. Shade they got a yeah. Got a lot of serviceable. A lot of G League players. I just watched them. I and what do we watched. have? And what what do we have? So we're better than them. James Harden. Oh, okay. You know what? Joel Embiid. <laughs> what team has a Joel Embiid? What happens if either either one of them gets hurt? We're doomed. Right or wrong? They're both not help. They're not injuries. They're both injury prone players. What happens? What happens when Kyrie can't play in a critical game because he won't get the vaccine? Well, they have Kevin what happens, and they have what happens, what happens when ben, ben Simmons' feelings get hurt because uh, he has to go to the free throw line? You know what's what? my big you know There's my a lot of fear? what ifs. You know what my if biggest fear is? You know my biggest fear is Kyrie is Ben Simmons just turns on that switch and he can How many years we've been saying this? And ben Simmons dominates gonna turn us. on the switch. Ben Simmons uh, gonna do this. 
Kyrie, is it not a possibility, strong possibility? Right? It's, it's always a possibility because we know what Ben Simmons is capable of. When Ben Simmons drives And he's not like Ben Simmons is scrub. He's an all-star defense, defense, first team on defense. We didn't give away a scrub. Yeah, that was a, a certified a bump in our Net negative. Not a great finisher. Definitely can't shoot. And definitely can't shoot free throws consistently. All right, so so all right, so we're gonna end this topic. So, so your verdict is for the Sixers this season? What's they did. They like? did what they had to do. Uh, ben Simmons uh, look, I'll, I'll, and quit, and they got James Harden out of it. Okay. I'll say I this. My hands of it. I'll, I'll say this before we move on from this from this topic right here. One, I felt like the best the best possible situation happened for both of these teams. Whereas, of course, Philly getting a James Harden, the upside of it is. As far as being a distributor, he does a lot of things that Ben Simmons was able to do, which is push the push the ball in transition. He's able to find guys out of the pick and roll. His vision is, is crazy. But he adds a level of scoring from all three levels. Well, not I wouldn't say all three levels at the paint and, and from the outside that Ben Simmons couldn't have. I feel like that definitely gives the Sixers a boost. But my question is with them comes where we were just talking about their bench. Is their is their best production going to be there? And uh as far as the Sixers go, when you get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond on the floor um, with a K, with a healthy KD and, and the pieces we were just talking about with them, that team is, is, is that team's going to be hard to stop. I don't think the Sixers making it out the second round. To be honest, with any you. team with KD is going to be hard to stop. But what was the Sixers' other alternative? What alternative? No, and, and, and that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like this, this happened for like this happening was the. Like the best possible outcome for each team, to be honest with you, because I, if this if this deal doesn't get done, I think Ben Simmons is still on the team until I, I, I don't know when. He's and he's, he's not he, he's not playing. He he gets traded in the offseason. No, I'm not we, disagreeing with we trading Ben Simmons. I feel like we gave too much for Ben Simmons, but that's but, they but traded Colin, I, they traded I, essentially they essentially traded Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, our a guy who was it? not going to play, for James Harden. Okay, all right. Well, like if you if 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 Ben Simmons didn't flat out say because that mental health health stuff was a was a scam yeah. because all of a sudden he can play he go to Miami and play. What were they supposed to do? Okay, they was forced into a corner. They were forced into a corner, and they th- those the best first round picks hurt because those this draft was pretty strong, and the draft after that was pretty strong too. But we're gonna we're gonna go past that because it's, it's by, listen, Chris. Listen. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. <laughs> That's a bad. It's James Harden. It's James Harden. Blame, blame, blame listen, Ben Listen, listen. I hope you keep blame. that same attitude when he chokes in the second round. You find him in the strip club, you know, and he's just living his life. Right? At least, at least, but not at least James Harden will shoot. If he misses, he misses. But at least he'll right. shoot. All right. All right. We, we, go, we back and, go back and watch game seven. Go back and watch it. All right. Got you. I've seen enough of him in the playoffs. I've seen enough. He just Discuss me in the playoff, but let's keep going. The Sacramento Kings. Poverty franchise. <laughs> Bro, can I can I please start this one? Go ahead. Go, 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 like, we were just talking about it on the phone, bro, before we started recording. Chris, wait. And, you know, Chris, wait, Kyrie, before you start, let me ask Chris. I, I think me and Kyrie feel like the Kings should switch it out with the Seattle Supersonics. Have them come oh, back in the league and have them just. Colin, I was, get, I, was get, I was getting to that, bro. I was getting to that. But before we, before I even start my rant, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a break. I'm a uh, throw the names out there that were trader like that was a part of this trade. 
So the Kings essentially sent Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Hill, and Trista Thompson to the Indiana Pacers for two-time All-Star Demonis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and the 2023 second-round pick. So the Kings, who, if I'm not mistaken, are 13th in the West right now. I got to double. No, they're 12th. They're 12th. 12th in the West right now. The Kings essentially traded their franchise cornerstone, who they promised was a part of their future, and wouldn't be dealt. And a guy that wanted, I never heard this before, a guy that wanted to be a Sacramento King. Yeah, Fox wanted to and, too. But, bro, De'Aaron Fox has been there for how long? Since 2017. Yeah, and him wanting to be there hasn't gotten him, hasn't gotten him anything. So this is their next hope. And Tyrese Halliburton, a guy that wanted to be there, a guy that embraced the city of Sacramento, embraced the the rebuild, the constant rebuild that Sacramento is going to, and said, "Hey, I want to be the reason we start winning. I want to be the reason that success comes to this team." And you trade him for a guy, and that puts you in a position that makes you seem like you're trying to win now, when all you can really buy for is the playing spot. And don't get me wrong, Demonis Sabonis isn't a scrub. Demonis Sabonis is a two-time All-Star, one of the best power forwards we have in the league, very versatile. I, I get that. But in the long run, Demonis Sabonis has two years left on his contract. If Demonis Sabonis says, hey, at the end of, in 2024, hey, this team's not going nowhere. It's been 18 years since we missed the playoffs. I want to go. You essentially traded Tyrese Halliburton for nothing. And Tyrese Halliburton is a free agent that same year. And a restricted one at that, meaning if anybody wanted to offer him a contract, if he didn't want to test that free agency pool, you have the ability to match anything that's offered to him, and you have a high chance of bringing him back. Not to mention he's two, three years younger than Demonis Sabonis. So I don't understand why you would trade someone so essential to a rebuild for a player that's – and, again, I'm not knocking Demonis Sabonis, but Demonis Sabonis isn't a franchise-altering player. He's not. Well, I hope no one else thought that, but it, but my whole thing is, at first, I, I was trying to figure out what logical reasons for it. Is it because De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese couldn't play together? But as you pointed out no. before we hopped on there, De'Aaron Fox De'Aaron had, had his best season last year. Yeah, he averaged 25.5. He was and that Seven was Tyrese at his side, his sidekick. So it wasn't and, them having the issue playing with each other. So it was like, what? And granted, and granted, De'Aaron Fox has taken a step back this season. I think he's putting up like what twenty-one and five right now. But he's been hurt a lot. That, I get it, but Tyrese Halliburton has stepped up to the stepped up to the plate when he hasn't been available and when he's not playing the best. Tyrese putting up fifteen and seven, shooting over forty percent from three again for second season in a row. He's averaging over still a game six in the sixth in, uh, in the league. He's one of the best pick and roll players in the league, also. So it's like he has so much going for himself. And this is a guy right here that, and to put it in perspective, I wasn't even high on Tyrese Halliburton when he was coming out of uh, Iowa State. I loved him. I, and, and, I, and I see why. He has a lot about his game to love. He's a good shot creator, good outside Absolutely. jump shooter. Um, not super pass. athletic, but he but he plays angles well. He's able to be his man. He's able to get to the basket. I, he's really grown on to me as, as, as a player, and I've become a fan. But you got him as the twelfth pick. He seems to be the biggest steal of that draft so far. Uh, Tyrese Maxey like, up there because he he was he fell to the twenty first. Absolutely, absolutely. So it, it's between them. But Tyrese Halliburton, I'm still giving that edge. Okay. As as being that steal of the draft, you got him at you got him at twelve, and 
could have possibly went higher. He was talking about even going going higher. But it's like, why, why break up such a or get rid of such a key cornerstone piece here, rebuild that you could in that backcourt, it's not like you can't continue building around that. A backcourt Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. And that's could that could be good for years. That could be one of the, we're talking about possibly like the next John Wall, Bradley Bill, Dame CJ type of backcourt where we look at them like, yo, like this this backcourt is crazy. And this, this they play so well off of each other, and they have. But it's just like they gave up so early on a long-term option for somebody that's that's most likely going to be a short-term two-year rental. And it's like, I, I just don't understand it, bro. Like, I, I dead don't understand it. So I, when I was thinking about, when I seen this deal come across, the only way that I, I could justify it to me was that they felt, they, and I'm glad you mentioned the Damon, CJ, the, the Wall and Bill, because they don't work out. You know, they broke up Damon CJ. They broke up Will, uh, Wall and Bill because two dominant ball handling guards you usually can't play with. You know, they can't. Somebody has to be the guy, the guy handling the ball, and someone else, someone has to play off that. Now, whether or not Halliburton and he, um, Halliburton and Fox could have did that, make it mesh, make it work, is you know, like you said, Fox had his best season. But was that Halliburton, you know, was Halliburton stunted because Fox needed to have the ball or, you know, vice versa? They also, like, they just drafted Davion Mitchell. They got, they had a, a, a jam of guards, and now they had to free some of that up. With Sabonis, I'll, I'll pose this question to you guys. Is Sabonis the best player in that deal? Right now, yes. Right, right now, Demonis okay. Bonus is the best player in that in that deal. Yeah. So now, so now with the with the idea of having you get the best player in the deal, yeah, you, and, and now you free up a logjam of, of at guard. Now you you can start. You, you get rid of Hill, who's essentially a guard. Halliburton, who's a guard. You still got Fox. You still got Mitchell. Like you had all like. You have this log jam now at guard. You get rid of Marvin Bagley. They have a lot of the same type players. And yeah, it's, it, it's and not to mention a, a Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb. Those are the same type Those players the they've same, always had. The same type player. Yep. So now, so now, like I had, I had this conversation with someone. If you look at the turnover that roster, that Kings roster has, time at the time at the time, they just mow through players. So now. We say this every year, but they the Kings need some type of stability and some type of direction. They don't have it. They they front office is just like everywhere. So they need to figure out what they're gonna do. As far as who won that trade, I mean Indiana uh, Indiana was in full rebuild, but they get a, a nice young piece in Halliburton. But the Kings were also in continual rebuild. You get the best player in the deal. So it's kind of a weird out of left field, you know, trade. It, to me, as far as who won the trade, it's def- it's a no brainer for me. I feel like Indiana's one because that just set their re that just put their rebuild into a, a motion, a faster motion. Whereas I see them become a, a contender faster than a lot of teams that, that that initiated rebuilds recently. Like I don't I don't see the Indiana Pacers staying irrelevant for too long. We have a guy like. T.J. Warren that's still hurt that you you don't even know what he can do when he come back when he comes back 
he's still a, a bona fide scorer. He's still a 19 point per game scorer. You still have Miles Turner, who you didn't move. Bring in Tyrese Halliburton. You still have Malcolm Brogdon. You still have a lot of good core pieces that you add a couple more guys here and there, maybe a little more continuity under Rick Carlisle. That's, that could be a dangerous team in the Eastern Conference if everything stays together. I don't see them keeping Malcolm Brogdon. Um, this one talks about him possibly being moved in the offseason, but he has a big contract. He's going to go for somebody. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned Malcolm Brogdon because he was about to go for Ben Simmons. I heard what people were saying. That should have happened too. He's worth uh, Ben Simmons. Great. I that think the only, the only positive thing the Kings done was got rid of Marvin Bagley, which obviously should have been done like two years before. Yeah, but you, you get Dante DiVincenzo at it. Free Bagley. Like, you you, you get Dante DiVincenzo at it, man. Bagley's going to snap in, in, in Detroit. I hope he makes them look bad. Bagley's gonna do his thing in the trick. So you think Katie and Marvin Bagley is like is like the new up and coming young duel? No, because they still have Jeremy Grant. So I don't see Marvin Bagley starting right away. Gotcha. But uh, I don't see Jeremy Grant staying there for too long. I don't see Jeremy Grant staying there for too long. I think Marvin Bagley won. And this is another thing that pissed me off about the Kings. Marvin Bagley was what second overall pick in that draft that had Luca, Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, all those all those cats. Second, he went second overall, right? The guy wanted to leave last season. His, his pops went all over Twitter, letting it be known he. The guy wanted to leave last season, but instead of instead of trading him over the offseason, instead of letting him go, you keep him and don't play him, further diminishing his value to the point where you trade him. And all you get out of it is Dante DiVincenzo for a second. Oh, a guy you spent a second overall pick out of that could have been Luca. Well, I mean, like, are you serious? I mean, honestly, like, but but that's the thing. He's just a continuous, just dumb, like incompetent moves that the Sacramento Kings have been known for, which is why they haven't made the playoffs in 16 years. That's why it's so frustrating because it's just like a continuous pattern with them. Just bad decision after bad decision, bad draft pick, bad development, bad chemistry between front offices and coaches and, and players. Nothing just ever messes for them, bro. So it, I don't, I, I don't know. Like I, I really don't know what's up with them. Well, I mean, the Kings. Like I said, Chris, what do you think about the Kings organization? Do you feel like the Supersonics and comebacks and just disband the Kings? No, they got three California teams. Poverty franchise. <laughs> Bro, they got to go to Seattle or, or Vegas, either one. No, yeah, Vegas would Vegas would would make sense. Vegas. That way, if, if, even if they're still corny in Vegas, in Vegas even if they're, if they're still bad in Vegas, if you're getting 13, 13 wins, fifteen wins, you're still making money. They can still be the kings. Yeah, they can be the Vegas, Las Vegas Kings. You know, you're making more money to lose. You getting more TV time. You you getting more TNT and ESPN games. Hey. Why not? Besides, it's not like you're leaving like a legacy in Sacramento, right? leaving titles, right? You haven't made the play- the last time they made the playoffs. I was a second grader, so a lot of a lot of fans are in, don't even don't even know basketball. When is the last time Sacramento won? won the Kings were good. Fifteen years ago. Oh, how I wish the other the old five oh oh five oh six. Who was on that team? I can't remember honestly. You know why? You know why? I'll was never, it? I think. I'll never... Go ahead. I was, I was going to name it probably Kevin Martin. <laughs> Kevin Martin was a bucket, though. He was a bucket. You he know, was. He you was. You had all you king, want, Chris. Bro. He was a certified bucket who never got but, his dues. But my problem, is, my problem is 
That was 15 years ago. See, but you know what? Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm a, I'm a, I know we're about to take a break and everything, but I want to leave. I want to leave on this. Okay. People talk about the process, and the process was this, and the process was that. The process was start and finish in what six years? Listen, if you the king, about it, hold on, hold on, hold on, don't let me, don't cut me off. <laughs> the king's been trying to win for 15 years, and they are still the 13th seed in the West. Very, very the best, the best finish they've had in the last fifteen years was ninth. That was a couple years ago. Ninth, <laughs> but you know why I can't forgive the Kings? They messed up Tyreek Evans, who I say to Marcus this Cousins, the Marcus Cousins. They had Tyrese Halliburton. Thomas, Tyrese Halliburton. I might. Hey, we, we can throw Isaiah Thomas in there too. The Sacramento Kings had legitimate certified pieces like. They should have ended their playoff drought, but constant coaching changes, poor management. They stink. Oh. Hey, and Luke and Luke Walton not gonna make it the next season. So it's, it's gonna be it's just gonna be a continuous cycle. I don't see Luke Walton being there next season. Luke Walton's not even there anymore. He got fired midway, I think, 20 games into the season, I think, which should have been done <laughs> oh, over the offseason. Wait, you're right. Once again. You're it, definitely it, right. They, they they gave Alvin Gentry that, that job. It was, it, 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 it's Alvin Gentry's job. I still don't even see him being there. He got thrown to the wolves. All right. Okay. Right. So we're just going to uh, take like a little bit. Chris, thanks a lot for hopping on this. Can't wait to have you on the next episode. We'll see you. Um. All right. So moving on to the next topic. All right. So we're going to move on to the Portland Trailblazers. Sending C.J. McCollum to the Pelicans. And the Pelicans, they get C.J. McCollum, Larry Lance Jr., Tony Snell. The Blazers get Josh Hart, Nikel Alexander-Walker, who later gets traded to the Jazz, uh, Thomas Sardinaski, and Didi Lozada. And the 22nd first-round pick protected, 22nd second-round pick, whichever is better between the teams in the 2020-27 second-round pick, the same conditions. Uh, C.J. McCollum to the Pelicans. Let me hear your thoughts, Kyrie, and then, you know, um, so, I'll start off with this. So, it, it came out like as a report after this trade that um that CJ had say so or he had he had power into where he went. Um, he, he was t- he talked with the with the Blazers uh, front office and they kind of came up with a place for him to go. And he said the place that he wanted to go was New Orleans. Hmm. And. Uh, you know, you, you can't blame him. CJ could have easily went to a team like the Lakers or I'm just saying hyper like a team that's expected to compete or a team that can compete, maybe like the like the Jazz. Like who knows? He could have went to a myriad of teams that, that needed him that, that are looking to compete. Um when you think of the New Orleans Pelicans, they're they're not really in contentious right now. I think they're fighting for a playing tournament. But that that might be it. So to see CJ want to and, and have it happen him going to New Orleans I, I respect it I could definitely see him fitting in uh, him, I feel like him and Brandon Ingram would definitely be a high scoring duo that's it's going to be fun to watch Like I, I'll say that at the least it's going to be fun to watch I don't know how many games they're going to win I don't know how competitive they're going to be and I'm just talking that from a standpoint of this season and um, assuming Zion Williams is not going to be there but if we're going to fast forward to next season, Zion Williamson being there, you know, they have Jonas Valanciunas, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram. I think their point guard at that point would be uh, 
Kira Lewis or Devontae Graham. Yeah, one of those guys. I don't really see Devontae Graham starting alongside CJ McCollum. That it's kind of like Damon CJ 2.0. And I'm not saying Devontae Graham is, is Dame by any means. What I mean by that is you're putting CJ McCollum next to another ball dominant point guard that likes to shoot. And, uh, Devontae Graham doesn't even really have the playmaking abilities of a Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard can go and get you seven, eight dimes a game. Devontae Graham's more of like a three, four a game type of guy. And when it comes down to it, Devontae Graham isn't really a uh, an efficient shooter either. I don't think he's had a season where he shot over forty percent from from the field. So it's it, that right there to be kind of hard to imagine. I, I would imagine the, the New Orleans Pelicans going out. And trying to get a uh, a more capable point guard to put next to CJ McCollum, one that can play defense, because the, the New Orleans Pelicans this this outside of Herb Jones, really they, they don't really in, in trading Josh Hart, they don't really have a defensive identity. So uh, they really for, for, go ahead for, for CJ like for, for for CJ and for him to kind of be that older guy around. Uh, around Brandon Ingram and around Zion Williamson. I like it. I, I can see it. Whether or not it brings some success, I don't really – I really don't see it. I just see them more so being a, a entertaining team to watch. Maybe they, they fight in, They fight for a playing tournament here and there. Maybe they, they sneak in for, like, the sixth, seventh seed in the way. You, you never know. But um, I don't I don't see this, uh, this team necessarily being a juggernaut, especially in the Western Conference. And I don't think getting a healthy Zion Williamson really, really, uh, really pushes that for him. I, I just don't see it. As far as the Blazers and what their future future plans seem to be, as far as the, it seems like they they, they want to build around Dame. They want to keep Dame. They want to. Uh, well, they want to go ahead, Colin. How how realistically? You know, Dane makes it clear, you know, he's a one he's a one team guy, you know, and you know, I like to believe him. I feel like he's that type of guy. But I just feel like w- what is Dane looking to achieve with the Portland Trailblazers? I mean, what what expectation are they even going to have unless they pick up some something from the bio, obviously, uh free agency and you know, next year who who knows what the roster will look like, but I, you do you think it's time for Dane to just get up and leave cuz you know CJ McCollum is, you know, he's out the picture hey. now. Absolutely, I feel like Dame should have left right right when CJ left. I feel like Dame should have been going at this trade at, at this trade deadline, um, because I don't I, I really feel like he's wasting his time. The Blazers are a young team, um, you got the emergence of Anthony Simons coming up. That's really uh, he's really been snapping, and that's something good to be excited about. Absolutely. You got Nasir Little who's out this season. He showed a lot of promise this year. You're bringing I think in a job. Part of the future too, absolutely. Not absolutely, not, not sure. Little's part of it. it. Took him some time coming out of North Carolina. You remember he, he was a, he was a, a highly touted. Uh, he was he was high a yeah, it's a top three pick, and he had a bad year in North Carolina. I think part of it was due to Roy Williams not utilizing the way I thought he should have been utilized. But right, and then you, you got a Dennis Smith Jr. who's kind of re reestablished himself in the league as a point guard. He's been playing pretty well this season too. Um, backing up Dame and playing for Dame, who's who's been out with uh, with injury pretty much all season. You got a young CJ Ellaby, Greg Brown. Um, you picked up Keon Johnson from from uh, the Clippers in that trade you made for uh, with Eric Bledsoe and them. Um, you picked up Elijah Hughes from the. So this team is really young. Uh, 
And I, I really don't see no point in building all these young guys up around a guy like Dame who's in win-now mode, who's in, in the point in his career where it's like, if I'm not making make it past the first round of the playoffs, that, that, team, that, that year was a failure. The season was a failure. So I think the Blazers should move on from Dame considering, like, the moves that they made so far this, this season. It, it seems like they're if they, if Dame wasn't on that team, it would look like they're they're a rebuilding team or they're a team looking to find their identity. Well, I mean, I, I feel like this is a rebuilding situation for me with the Portland Trail, but then look at the amount of guards they have. They had a lot of guards on that team. Right. So right. I don't see any reason for why Damian Lillard is still on that team. Maybe he'll request a trade, maybe in the offseason, probably next year. He is hurt. So teams are gonna and, monitor his health a lot. And it's like when and it's like Portland's never really a free agent destination. So I, if you did, if you couldn't get it done in trades, I really don't see it happening in, in free agency where a star player, uh, uh, a franchise altering player says, hey, I want to go over to Portland to help Dame out and, and to help Dame uh, get deep into the playoffs, but help Dame make a playoff run. I just don't, especially with all these young guys that are still trying to find their way, still trying to find their niche in the league. I don't see that happening. This, this team is very inexperienced. And it's uh, it's just it's just time. It's just time. Like it, they don't they don't fit each other's uh, I would say time. They don't timeline. fit each other's timeline. And, time and career at the time it, of their careers too. Exactly. And it's and, and it's fine. I mean, I, I'm cool with putting my the keys in the hands of Anthony Simons and Nas Little, Dennis Smith Jr. and them guys and say, hey, figure it out. We'll do what we can in the draft. We'll do what we can in free agency. And we'll work from there. Sound- like I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. But as far as far as Dame, he, he's got to go, bro. He, he, he's got to go. All right. So we're both settling on Dame. He has to go. The Pelicans. I think they got a bright future. Uh, CJ, Brandon Ingram, Zion, the big three there. Just got to have it, the it, 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 it all depends for the Pelicans. It all, all depends what they can do at point guard and the growth of their bench. Definitely. I trust Willie Green. I love Willie Green as a coach so far. I just don't think he's really had the talent to really do much. But uh, I like Willie Green. I trust him. I think he can make something to the Pelicans. But it is, it's going to start with uh, with the point guard, with the point guard situation. Okay. So we'll move on to the next trade of NBA that happened over the uh, the past few days. Karis LeVert from the, the Pacers to the Cavs. I think it's one of my personal favorites. I feel like him and Darius Garland is going to be such a deadly combo. I think, honestly, Con Sexton isn't even needed at this point. If he wants to come back. Uh, they can keep him as a six man. Uh, Karis Lever and Darius Sexton to me is beautiful. Evan Mobley at the four, Jared Allen at the five. You can transition between Isaac Isaac Okoro and I think Dylan Wilder. I think he's still on the team. Shetty Osman too. Shetty Shetty Osman too. I, I I love this Cavs team. I'm definitely. I think to me they're like the second biggest winners. Like I really love this team. Just give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I fell in love with this Cavs team too. Um. You know, I'm a big fan of Evan Mobley. I didn't think he'd have this easy transition into the league like he has, but, man, he's blown me away. And like you, the other guys you mentioned, Okoro, Jared Allen, Shetty, even Roger Rondo coming in and filling for an injured Colin Sexton, who was playing well. Sure that's, the only, that's the only disappointment from the cast for me is, is losing uh, Colin Sexton when it seems like him and Darius Garland were finally figuring out, were, were finally clicking. But – um. We've seen the ascension of Darius Garland. He's an all-star. And putting a guy like uh, Karis LeVert, who is at about, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, yep. can score, has size. Has the ball as well. Exactly. Isn't a bad defender, has some length. 
but he could be a guy that that's, that you could plug into there. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really like it for the Cavs. Like I, I have no I have no complaints with it as far as the Cavs go. Uh, traded for uh, traded for Karis Levert. I really think that was a good good by them. Honestly, I can't wait to see them play actually after All Star Weekend. Another trade that was really surprising and is definitely interesting to me is you know the Wizards. Uh, they get Porzingis from the Mavs, and the Mavericks get Spencer Dinwiddle and Davis Bertans, which I think are great assets for the Mavericks. I think this is one of the trades where they both get a win-win situation out of this. Uh, Christopher Porzingis and Bradley Bill, an interesting combination. I'd say so myself. You put Rue, you put Rue Hachimura at the four, Porzingis at the five, Bradley Bill at the two. And now I'm looking at the point guards, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, who is the point guard for the Wizards, and how is he going to make himself a serviceable guy? For the Wizards going down, let's just say yeah, they, they just got Ish Smith back in trade, so I I think it's going to be him. Well, is that all you got? Ish Smith, Smith, you got rid of you got rid of Aaron Holiday. Uh, that um, was one. I, I didn't now not to say Aaron Holiday is a bad player. Uh, I think he's a, a, a okay to average player, but I feel he's serviceable. Like when you look at the point guard depth with the Wizards, I don't maybe think that was really wise of them to get traded away to the Suns. But you know, maybe the Wizards have something else in mind, which we don't know about, obviously. So, but just focus on the Przingis trade. Like, what do you think of the Przingis and how he adds to the Washington Wizards? Uh, so, as a Knicks fan, bro, you already know I love Przingis. Um, that's my guy. I want to see him do good, no matter where he's at. Um, I'm kind of upset it didn't really work out in uh, in Dallas. I feel like that was a good spot for him. I feel like just I thought Luke and him would have been like the next big duo, like. Pick and roll threats, hitting jumps yeah. on the perimeter. Right, but it, it comes down to Kristaps wasn't valued, was it wasn't really valued in Dallas. I felt like, and it was evident in the playoff series where he kind of just was assigned. His role was pretty much just assigned to, "Hey, you're the stretch big. You're just a pick, pick, pick and pop big. I don't want you doing anything but taking threes. And it's like he could do much more than that. Like Kristaps Porzingis at seven three has the ability to put the ball on the floor. He's a mismatch when off of switches at seven three, that fadeaway you can't do nothing but you can't do nothing to alter that. He's his release points too high up and he's accurate. I feel like he's so, been, he's been misused his whole career, which is just mind boggling to me. Like what, with a talent like that, absolutely. But what goes hand in hand with that is his availability. Kristaps always hurt. Yes, he's always hurt, bro. And that and that that kind of makes it hard for you and the guys around you to kind of find the flow and to kind of find how you fit into that team in the best way possible because you're in and out of the lineup. That means the next guy's always stepping in. And we're and essentially you're learning how to play without him. You know what I mean? Right. So once you learn how to play without a guy for, for so long, just like you, you learn how to go out, if you're on a, going on a diet, you learn how to go out with fa- without uh, with fast food for so long, or you're able to go out, uh, you're go, able to go without sweets for so long. It kind of doesn't really matter to you at, at a certain point. <laughs> so you go you go without Christos Porzingis for so long. You're you're one manning Luca for so long. You kind of get used to it. So I can see why, in that in that sense, uh, a Luca I mean a Christos Porzingis trade was was bound to, was uh, was made to happen. But I didn't. I, I don't. Agree, I don't like the trade in the sense that getting a Spencer Dinwiddie and a Davis Bertans does not help. Davis Bertans ever since he got that money for after the 2019-2020 season. Uh, he hasn't been the same guy, and the way I really look, the way I really look at a Bertans is like he's a six nine JJ Reddick, and come and cool he can hit threes, he can come off the screens, he can, he's mobile around the perimeter, 
and and the sets and sometimes it kind of makes them hard to, to to get a gauge on. But when it comes to playoff time, the scouting reports at, at, at all times. The scouting reports, hey, stick to him, deny ball. He's not going to be able to do anything else. He's not going to blow by you. He's not going to post you up. I feel like the Mavs are going to is, is going to be the team that utilize him well. I don't think the Wizards was a good fit for him, but I think the Mavs will utilize him well. I, I hope so because they're going to need it because I don't trust Spencer Dinwiddie either. Um, the special Dinwiddie hasn't been good this season, bro. Anytime he's on, anytime he was on the floor with Bradley Beal, he didn't play well. So he's going to be put in another position where he's playing with a doll, a ball dominant guy that's going to get his 26, 27 points per game. And not saying Luca's different in a, uh, from a Bradley Beal in a sense where Luca's going to distribute the ball too. He's going to get his seven, eight dimes. But at the same time, Luca Doncic is going to have multiple possessions coming down the floor with it's, it's about him. It's, it's Luca Doncic time, just like it was with Bradley Beal. And we see Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie plays his best basketball, at least for the Wizards, when Bradley Beal wasn't on the floor. So I don't necessarily see or imagine a Spencer Dinwiddie and Luka Doncic backcourt really meshing together. And I look at it from this point, too, from the Wizard, uh, for the, for the Mavericks perspective, where I felt like they lose this trade because before you used to be able to go into a, a seat, uh, you used to be able to look at the Western Conference and say – Hey, the the Dallas Mavericks, they have we, we gotta look out for Chris Stops and Luca. Right now it's just okay, the Dallas Mavericks have Luca Doncic. And maybe Jalen Brunson. Hmm. Uh then like it's it's it's, it's gonna be a one man show. So, a one man show. Okay, that's fair. Uh the next trade. So it's a three-way trade between the Celtics, Spurs, and the Rockets. The Celtics get Derek White. I think he fits them perfectly as their point guard. For sure. For Absolutely sure. love that. I think San Antonio is the first time I said San Antonio actually undervalued and misused the guy. I feel like, and it's strange, it's really strange to say that about Greg Popovich because you would never associate with him as that type of guy. But Derek White was – it was the, the crowd of guards didn't help, and it just seemed like he just wasn't used – to the best. So now I feel like with the Celtics, he definitely has that chance to really shine. And he might surprise a lot of people. The Spurs get Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford. Romeo Langford to the Spurs is absolutely phenomenal for his development. I don't know how I like long, that. I don't know how Greg how don't I don't know how long Greg Popovich will be the coach. But if I'm Romeo Langford, I take as much knowledge from the legendary coach as much as I can while he's still here. Uh and then the Spurs get the 22 first round draft pick. From the Boston protected in the 2020-28 first round pick swap. So what's your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, to keep it brief, um, I like this trade for both sides. Uh, I feel like Derek White at the point guard position for Boston, he he, he really gives you what you need. Whereas Dennis Schroeder gave you scoring. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder was able to play at a fast pace for you. He was good off the pick and roll, but you didn't really need that. You don't really need that with a Jason Tatum and a Jalen Brown. Derek White is going to be a, pay, a, a pace setter. He's going to be a guy that can distribute, and, at, and most importantly, he's going to be a guy that uh, that can defend on the perimeter, which the Celtics really need. So I like that for them. As far as Josh Richardson, he's a pop. He's a, he's a pop of his guy to me. A three and D wing. He's tough. He's gritty. Makes when he tries to make winning basketball plays on both ends of the floor. I like that. And any, everything you said about Romeo Langford being there, uh, I definitely think he's going. To, this is going to be his time to shine. I think this. He, you've seen bits and pieces so far this season. Finally. But uh, I think being in San Antonio, where they're, they're kind of going through a rebuilding process, too, when a lot of the young guys are getting burned, Romeo Langford is going to be fine there. Yeah, 
couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't agree with you anymore. So the Raptors, the next trade, I think it went under a lot of people has the Raptors trade dragging to the Spurs, which I think is another great gift for the Spurs. Uh, I, Obviously, this the Spurs is really making some nice deals. I mean, Goran Dragic, he's 34, 35. He's on the old side, right? So how many years he's going to play, we don't really know. But they get, a, they get a 22 first-round pick from Toronto. Toronto isn't doing well. And, you know, which is surprising that the Raptors even gave away this pick. Uh, Daddy's Young and Drew, uh, Drew Ubanks. No, the Raptors are doing well, excuse me. And Drew Ubanks. What's your thoughts about on this trade? Um, so I don't think Goran Dragic is going to be a Spur for too long. Um, if this were a, a competitive Spurs team, he would definitely stay. But I think Goran Dragic is going to be bought out. That trade was really for that 2022 first round pick. San, San Antonio is smart for that. I think San Antonio is buying into the youth movement. We're used to San Antonio having those late picks and pretty much just drafting his fashion. But now that they're in a position to at the point where they kind of had to use these young guys and use this talent that they have to rebuild a team from scratch. I think that was a perfect move. Um, Thad Young being in Toronto, I don't know if he stays there either, but I, I see him being a, a, a nice bet piece for Scotty Barnes and, uh, and Pascal. Yes. Um, I, it, it, it's a solid trade overall, but yeah, I, I think, the, I think the highlight of it is, is the Spurs getting that first round pick. I think that's going to be well for them. And the Spurs always do well in the draft. Keldon Johnson, DeJounte Murray. Lonnie Walker. I mean, the Spurs got a long – yeah, I I, I never doubt the Spurs when they get picks. They know what they're doing all the time. So For for sure. So the Magic land ball ball – the the Magic land ball ball, P.J. Dozer goes to the Celtics. Uh, Listen, ball ball with the Magic, they got Muhammad Bamba. Maybe he'll leave. Uh, I don't know if the Magic picked up his contract or not, but he'll probably leave this offseason or they might pick up his contract. I was really hoping Bobo would go to the Pistons, but that trade obviously didn't work out due to health. Uh, Bobo's medical records wasn't cleared or they didn't come at positive. I thought Bobo and Kate Cunningham would have been a lethal uh, one-punch duo, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, him and the Magic, just what's your thoughts on that? The Celtics get a 2023 second-round pick from Orlando, which uh, – you know, I I honestly hate this for Bobo. Um, I I wish he was I wish he was still a Denver Nugget. To be honest with you, I don't see why or how he didn't uh he he couldn't really get any consistent playing time there. And I, 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 I at backup center, and I don't understand why. The only thing I can attribute it to is uh, you remember coming out of the draft where Bobo was a projected top ten pick. He got and um, he got hurt, but there were also questions about his attitude towards the game and his his, his kind of I guess his personality, right? It, to the point where it kind of scared off some GMs. Some guys questioned his work ethic and his dedication to the game of basketball. And sadly to say, I'm like I'm a huge fan of the guy, but it, it seems like that's what's really coming into fruition now. Mm. Um, we're not going to see Bobo this season because he has. I'm pretty sure he has surgery after he was traded to Boston when that Detroit trade fell through. So he's got a lot going on. Um, hopefully he comes back fresh for next season. And I really want to see him in that, in that Orlando rotation if, he, if he's still there. I, I, really, I really hope we do. I mean, he would be part of a great movement for the Magic youth. I mean, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, playing out of his mind as a rookie. Didn't expect him to play that well. As a, as a yep. He was Cole, a top 10 pick in the draft. Cole, Cole Anthony, Anthony R.J. Hampton. One thing about the Magic, they have so many guards. I think they're going to trade at least two of them, in my opinion. 
to have that many guards, you got to find consistent minutes for all of them, right? And then right. Terrence Ross is still there in the roster. The Magic got to do a lot of shaking up, probably during the offseason, you know, so it's got to be a lot of shaking up. So don't be surprised with some of the moves they make. For so, sure. You know, the next trade, and this one, I feel like a lot of people, Nikel Alexander Walker to the Jazz and and Juancho Herman. Juancho Herman Gomez. Yeah, Juancho Herman Gomez. Thank you so much for helping me pronounce that. And the Blazers get <laughs> sure. Joe Ingles, the fan favorite of Utah, besides Donovan Mitchell right here, Joe Ingles. This man came in clutch. Well, let's talk about it, OKC in the playoffs. I mean, the guy's just been clutch. And Elijah's huge, which I think is good for the Blazers, uh, and which I think is good for him, too. It actually give him some playing time he's able to, you know, honestly be able to do. And then yeah. the Spurs, obviously, it's a three-way trade. So the Spurs get Thomas, uh, Thomas from Portland. So, uh, uh, yeah, Sodoransky, and they get a second round pick from Utah. But Nikel Alexander Walker to the Jazz, I love it. He comes off the bench for he could play the point or two, right? He comes off the bench for either Michael Conley or Donovan Mitchell, or say Donovan Mitchell, Michael Conley, you know, need a break. You put Jordan Clarkson at the two, Nikel Alexander one at the point, or you know, switch, switch it around. So, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I. I was kind of upset when the kill got traded from Portland. I kind of wanted to see him stay there, and I and I wasn't super happy about the Jazz uh, pairing for him. But I thought about it a little more, and I thought to myself, Nikhil Alexander Walker is actually going to have a chance to play real basketball, have a, a chance to to learn how to play real basketball. And I mean that by saying in New Orleans, he pretty much had free reign where he could kind of go out there and do his thing. We seen him take a step back threes, turnaround pull ups, a lot of extra stuff we didn't really need him to do. So him going to the Jazz, you're going to be you're with a coach like Quinn Snyder. You're on a team that has a set defensive and offensive uh, identity, and they play basketball a certain way. They and they hold themselves to a certain standard. So for him and, and a guy like Wanzer that can score a little bit too to go there, I think they're going to be key pieces for them, especially since they're losing uh, Joe Ingles and they already lost him before the trade because he tore his ACL. So filling in with filling uh, those spots in with a guy like Nikhil and Wancho. I think it might be a little shaky at first, but once they get really, once they start to get used to um, the way the Utah Jazz play, I think that's going to be fine for them. Uh, I don't see Joe Ingles staying in, in Portland for too long, especially if Dame goes. Um, the guy's like, what, 34, 35 years old, and he's yeah. coming off an ACL tear. Um, my guy, Elijah, Elijah Hughes, shout out to Syracuse. <laughs> um, didn't get a lot of playing time with the Jazz, unfortunately. I get it. Stack team, one of the best teams in the West. Hopefully he gets a chance to show what he can do with the Blazers and Sadoransky going to the Spurs. Another another low swing. Um that's not going to have a lot of repercussions if he doesn't pan out. Good shooter, good ball handler, good in the pick and roll. Um he, he seems like a Spurs guy to me. I, he's not going to be anything huge, but he seems like a regular Spurs type of Spurs rotational point guard. And he get a second round pick out of Utah. Um yeah, I feel like this is a pretty good trade all around, too, for everybody that was involved. Guy, definitely in my opinion. The last trade, before we move on to our Super Bowl predictions for on Sunday, the Bucks get Serge Ibaka, second-round pick from Sacramento, second-round pick from Detroit in cash, in cash considerations. The Clippers get is a three-way, as a 14 trade. Ronnie Hood gets – the Clippers get Ronnie Hood from the Milwaukee Bucks and Semi – they get it from uh, Milwaukee as well. And the Kings, the Sacramento Kings, once again, they get Dante DiVincio. We talked about him earlier. Josh Jackson, which is very interesting in my opinion, 
how he fits on the Kings is is really you gotta leave it up to your imagination and what the Kings do. Uh, to get Trey Lyles, uh, I, I like Trey Lyles, serviceable guy. Maybe should have stayed on the Pistons, in my opinion. And the Detroit Pistons get Marvin Bailey for the Sacramento, which we talked about him earlier. But let's talk about the Kings and the Clippers. And, you know what they get from those guys. Um, all right, I'm, I'm gonna start off with the Bucks actually because I really do like the Serge Ibaka move. Serge Ibaka is still really serviceable. The last game I watched from the Clippers a few games ago, he was snapping. He was doing his thing out there on both ends of the floor, and it was actually fun to see considering he was just in the G League not too long ago trying to get his reps back, coming uh, coming back from injury. Right. So getting a Serge Ibaka, getting some extra picks in that, especially with having Brooke Lopez down and the way Bobby Portis has been playing, that makes Milwaukee scary, bro, especially coming down playoff, coming to playoff time. Serge Ibaka has a ton of experience. He's going to play within, within himself. He's going to fit in fine there. As far as the Clippers getting Rodney Hood is semi Ojale, it doesn't really mean anything to me. The Clippers kind of failed in this uh, this mm-hmm. trade deadline to me because they they didn't get a, a playmaker point guard which they wanted and they traded Eric Bledsoe away. I mean, you got Norman Powell from that trade, Reggie Jackson. Got, yeah. yeah, but Reggie Reggie Jackson's fine right now too. But Reggie Jackson's cool because he can score, and with PG and Kawhi being out, you need him. But when PG and Kawhi come back, Reggie Jackson's got to be that six man. That's work plug. You need a real point guard that can distribute. It's kind of like the same situation with Tatum and Brown. I mean, you got two guys that are some of the best scorers in the world with no real point guard to kind of balance things out. So that's what they need. Uh, I, I don't. I think the Clippers. This is kind of a year off for them anyway. Having those two guys out and Kawhi and PG, they just need to regroup, come back next year fresh and healthy. As far as the Kings, bro, it's not much about the Kings. I want to say that I haven't said already. Um, Dante DiVincenzo coming back from injury hasn't been the same. Josh Jackson, he, he's shown some flashes here and there in Detroit, but he's not that that top five. What was he, top five, top he, ten? He was the fourth pick by the Suns. Yeah, t- top, I know I wasn't crazy. He top five pick, one of the best, I think one of the top three players coming out of high school, went to Kansas, was supposed to be one of the next guys. Uh, and he just hasn't lived up to it. I don't see him doing that in, in, in Sacramento. Trey Lyles, I've never been a huge fan of, but he's going to be serviceable. Nice little stretch big. Um, the, the Kings didn't do nothing, bro. It's, it's, it's nothing for them, bro. It's, it's, yeah. But, but oh, yeah, and I will get on Marvin Bagley to the Pistons. I like him there. Um, Again, like I said, I think Jeremy being there for the rest of the season, it kind of gives him the back, gives him the back seat. Kind of got to learn some things, learn his way around uh, Dwayne, the way Dwayne Casey wants to play ball. And um, but by the time next season comes, I feel I, I see a huge serviceable, serviceable piece that that Kate Cunningham could take a uh, could take advantage of. All right, so that was all for the NBA trades. Uh, oh, bro, before, real quick, before we uh we go into our Super Bowl picks, I just wanted to shout out Montrez Harrell going to the Charlotte Hornets. I love that pickup. Ah. That was an underrated pick. I, even I missed that. I, I didn't really think of it much because the Hornets were kind of like, a, you know, they're fighting for that. They're, like, they're at the ninth or tenth seed, I believe, as of now. Ninth yeah, they're fighting. And, and Montrezl Harrell's a fighter. So, if, if, yeah. he, if, he's, if Montrezl Harrell's been anything since he's been in the league, he's been a fighter. He's been gritty. And I think he's going to bring that, that, that edge to Charlotte. And I'm really happy to see it. 
And the Wizards get Renan Carey. Oh, and Ish Smith. So not really much to talk about the trade. The Hornets won that trade. So for sure. Yep. I just had to shout that out real quick. Shout him out, definitely. I appreciate the guy. He did well for the Clippers, you know. I think the Clippers shouldn't have got rid of him, but you know, they did what they did. Uh yep. But we move on to our Super Bowl predictions. It's been a long basketball episode, I know. But if you guys have stuck it out with us to the very end, we appreciate you guys and we love you guys. Super Bowl predictions, the Los Angeles Rams versus the Cincinnati Bengals. A really, Some people were calling this. I, I'm going for the underdog. I like the Bengals. I like the you Bengals. Know, you know what, bro? Deep down inside, I want to see the Bengals win, too. I really do. I love Jamar Chase. Love Joe Burrow. Um, Talk to me. Uh, it's going to come down to not to whether or not they can def- they can, they can protect him because the Bengals have a, have a suspect old line. They've been had a suspect old line. They do. That's how that's how Joe Burrow was knocked out for the season last year with that torn ACL. That bank that that suspect old line can't can't protect them. But um, Joe Burrow he's he's kind of adapted to that and has been able to use his legs to extend plays and to kind of avoid being sacked. Which I'm really happy to see, and I think he can still maintain that in, in this upcoming game. But at the same time, bro, you're going up against Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Jalen Ramsey on the defensive end. It's. I feel like I feel like going against Joe Barrow because Matthew Stafford and me, I'm just I'm, I'm never a hundred percent on Matthew Stafford. I don't know why. Something about him, it just. And he has the quiet confidence, right? He just oozes but, confidence. But it's just something about him that just makes me like I'm never all in a hundred percent. Like I I'm just not, you know. Yeah, I, I get it because it seems like he's pretty inconsistent when he can't find Cooper Cup anytime that he wants to. If Cooper Cup can't get separation or if Cooper Cup can't get down the field like he is and can't get open like he like he has been throughout the season, he goes stretches like that throughout the game. It's kind of hard for Matthew Stafford to move the ball up the field. But having a guy like Odell Beckham in there that can kind of ease that on him, having a Van Jefferson in there, um, those are guys that you could go to a few times down the drive and uh, really set you up at, at, at good field position to then hit Cooper Cup in, the- in the red zone and hit Cooper Cup down the field. You know, so but then like the Rams and then and then you got Darnold, Miller, Leonard Floyd, they're just a flat out problem for the Bengals offensive that's, line. That's, just, that's what I'm saying, bro. It's but, gonna come down to that. Man, so as, as long as the Rams can just protect Matthew Stafford, who so far in the playoffs he has been light out for three games. Los Angeles, you know, they they should be able to pick out pick apart the Bengals secondary, but I don't know. I just feel like going against Joe Burrow, it just feels wrong. And I yeah, never felt like he's the quarterback since not, not saying Joe Burrow is that type of quarterback, but going against betting against Tom Brady never felt, never felt right. Right. It just didn't feel right. Right. At the Eagles, of course, I bet against Tom Brady just because it was my team, but Joe, oh, you, Burrow, had to. you had to, you had to, you had to, as Joe, an Eagles fan, you got to. Yeah, too. Absolutely. 110%. If you didn't, you, you just you just a clown. But Joe Barrow, I just he just gives me something like I feel like he can do it. I feel like betting against him is wrong. So I'm gonna stick with Joe Barrow. Um, even though the Rams, by all intents and purposes, seem like the superior team, but it was offensive defense. I, I'm rooting for the underdog in this carry. So I'm going with the Bengals. Hey, the the Bengals upsetting the Chiefs kind of put into motion with me that yeah. 
you like you said, Colin, you can't count them out. You there's there's nothing that they can really hope that they can't overcome. It seems like. So uh, yeah, the Rams are a much more competitive defensive team than the Chiefs are. Um, you don't bank on Patrick Mahomes having a meltdown like he did that game <laughs> all the time. Like you, you never really see that happen. But um, as far as the Rams go, I, I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to give them the edge just because yeah. I've said it before in, in one of our previous podcasts. They're just one of the, probably the most complete team that I've seen all season. And um, even losing Robert Woods, a key receiver in the uh, in the middle of the season, they still maintain uh, their offense. They still maintain the defense. And uh, I'm gonna have to give it to them by an edge, though. It's gonna be a close game. And I'll say, hey, if the Bengals do end up uh, stretching it out and taking it, I wouldn't be mad whatsoever. But I'd be happy seeing that. All right, but that's for, but for right now, just given the, the the defensive advantages, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get an edge to, to LA. But I think LA. Honestly, deep in my heart, I think they're going to win it. Okay, so what's the score predictions in your opinion? What do you think the score will be? 24-21. Mm, you think it's a high-scoring game? All right, all right, all right. I'm not sure myself. Not, yeah, not super high, but it, it, some points are going to be putting up. There's going to be some highlights. It's going to be some plays for sure. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say 41-42? No, I said 24-21. Oh, excuse me. That's why I said you got this being a high-scoring game. Hmm, okay. Uh, no, nah, I, I don't see. I don't see it getting too crazy like that. That'd be a game to watch, though. I'd, I'd be <laughs> hey, the fans would get their money. The NFL would get their money. Everyone would get their money, except for, for those sure. that under. Obviously, they'd be the biggest losers of all that. But for sure, okay. But thanks a lot uh, for everyone. Thanks a lot for you guys being patient with us. If you guys have sticked it out this far to the very end of this episode, we really appreciate it. We can't thank you enough. Uh, we work hard on uh, editing and try to put out as much content as possible weekly by week. We're all very busy, college students, jobs, and et cetera, but we do have a passion for the sports and we do try to bring out as much content as possible. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter. You can follow us on uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We stream on most platforms. So whether you're Apple, Android, doesn't matter. You can find us. Uh, and definitely, definitely subscribe, you know, definitely tune in and send us uh, uh, questions or whether or not what topics you want us to cover on Instagram uh, to each of us individually. Uh, we'll put that under the link inside the description. So thanks a lot for everyone tuning in. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week.